This episode of No Meat Athlete Radio is brought to you by Hemp Daddies and their full-spectrum CBD products created by a runner for runners. Learn more at hempdaddies.com and use code NMA at checkout to save 10% off and get free shipping on your first order. That's H-E-M-P-D-A-D-D-Y-S.com and use code NMA. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. So, Matt, I think, you know, you probably know this about me, but I go through phases, or Katie and I go through phases where we um, do smoothies every morning, and then we'll, like, switch to oatmeal for a while, and then we'll do something else. Uh, We're back in the smoothie phase, and we have been for probably six or eight weeks now, smoothie every every day when we wake up, and it is, it has become Eliza's, our two-year-old's favorite thing about each day. She wakes up, and I'm like, Eliza, it's smoothie time, and she goes, yeah! smoothie time (laughs) and we run to the kitchen she gets up on her little stool and we load everything into the into the vitamix and about like two weeks ago maybe i I was like she hit the button you know to start it and i was like it is really loud in here and she has her face right up against it right (laughs) um so i pulled out those you know i'm sure if you don't have them then you've seen them because everybody every baby in Asheville has them but uh, there's like, you know, earmuff things that yeah. like, you know, for going to shows and stuff at breweries because yeah. everybody drags their kid to wherever they want to go. Um, so I pulled those out and she's been wearing those in the morning. Have you ever, have you ever worried about the sound of the smoothie maker? I actually, she also calls it a smoothie, ma- smoothie <laughs> maker now. <too. laughs> it's funny how we pick up those kids. I used to call uh, coffee shops coffee store for a long time because my kids called it that. <laughs> And then I would just say it to adults, and if they, I wouldn't realize how weird it sounded that I was going to the coffee store. Uh, yeah, I have worried about that, actually. So I have a Blendtec, and it is also extremely loud. They made a new one now that has like an encasing that goes over it. It takes up a whole lot more room, but it covers it up completely. It's like this little like hatch door thing, that like a DeLorean kind of, uh, and it blocks a whole lot of the sound. But anyway, um, yeah, we just we just kind of have a rule that everyone has to put their hands on their... Ears or the kids have to get out of the kitchen when we run it. We don't we uh, don't really enforce that so much anymore. But when they were younger, we definitely did. Yeah, it yeah. was. I mean, you know, she gets her face within like six inches of it. She, <laughs> she loves watching it. Like you know, right. just go to town. <laughs> right. Like oh man, this is probably not not the best thing. Yeah, but, it probably isn't for those those little sensitive eardrums. Yeah, but she loves it. And and actually, the uh, we've made the earmuff things kind of like part of the routine, and she gets into that too. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, smoothies they can bring a family together. I I believe that they can my daughter used to spin around in circles every time we were in the blender that was her thing she just the entire 50 second routine she would just, just spin oh i love that that's a great idea and no one taught her to she just it was just like dan- if somehow that was music to her and she just danced by spinning well and, she's uh, spinning like the blender yeah i guess i don't know if she made that connection because i don't think she knew it was spinning even but oh really <laughs> but yeah and, and she has drank smoothies or has drunk smoothies i guess since very early, still, Holden goes through phases where he's in and out on them, but uh, she and I are the ones who just keep keep drinking smoothies. Yeah. Eliza cannot have enough of them. Like, she will finish her glass and immediately ask for more. Mm-hmm. Are you putting the greens in there yet? Yeah, we have a little bit of spinach in there. It's definitely less green than it was when she wasn't drinking them, uh-huh. but they're, they're, there's definitely spinach in there. Yeah. And all kinds of good stuff, lots of seeds and exactly flax that's i mean it's I you know it's probably one of her healthiest meals most well-rounded that's for sure 
Right. Exactly. That's why smoothies are good. They're a chance to get all these things that you should get every day, and you just got to throw them in there. That's right. Good. Well, good for you, Doug. Glad to hear that. And um, you know what? I should shout out to Blendtec. My Blendtec just broke for the second time, and I called them. Second time? Well, but listen, I called them just like <laughs> I did last time, uh-huh. and it's the jar that is breaking. It's not the device. And Oh, interesting. I call them, and they say, okay, play the, play the, or not play, run the blender for us so we can hear it. And they diagnose it over the phone, and then they Wait, send what? out a free jar. They <laughs> listen to it. <laughs> yeah, and what? They, they you hold it, you hold the phone up to it, or put it on speakerphone, and then they say, uh, "Yep, that sounds like it's the jar. We'll send a new one out to you right away." And the warranty—I don't know how long the warranty is. So here's the big secret: I've got—they send—they've sent me the the blenders, so I haven't actually paid for them. And when I call, they say, "Well, you're within your warranty." Like they have a warranty period on it still, I guess, because they know the manufacturing date or something. Uh-huh. And so they sent it out for this. But here's even better. I get, I had it when we got the new one, which because they, they they updated me at some point. We gave the other one to my wife's sister. Their thing broke, and she just called up and they said, "We'll send you out a new jar." So they didn't have to provide proof of purchase. Nothing. They just they just sent it out. Wow. I know, which is really good customer service. That is great customer service. I'm I'm in, I'm quite impressed. I'm especially impressed that they can di- diagnose it over a speakerphone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what if every What if every time you had a customer service issue, you just like held your speakerphone up to it? <laughs> I've probably wondered if they just do that to confirm that you own a blender, and then uh, and then as long as you do that, that way they won't be sending out you know free blenders to everybody who doesn't. Need yeah. To have one. Okay. I don't know. Who knows? But. Good. The I only like the only thing I like more about your Blendtec than my Vitamix is that it counts the number of spends or number of yeah you uses. Can see your career total yeah I I love that just like I love going you know like in airports where they have the water bottle dispenser <laughs> right. thing and it tells you like how many water bottles you've saved yeah how many plastic bottles you've saved I, you know I just I love those big numbers <laughs> <laughs> well. Honestly, I, I used to think that was cool, and then I, I have not looked at the number on ours in a long time. But we do. There is a number that always tracks. Uh, I like it that there's no plunger. A uh, plunger. I don't like that thing. You have a plunger. Oh, there's no on your plunger. Uh, well, no. I mean, it's you, know, you can take it out, or you can. Oh, you can do it without. Okay. Yeah. The complaint about the Blendtex and why because they don't have a plunger, it's really hard if you're doing small amounts of like pesto or something in there. It'll just get mm. sucked to the bottom and it won't won't blend. But anyway, I think it's enough. Uh, <laughs> enough blender talk enough battle of the smoothie makers i think for now maybe one day we'll do a smoothie episode we should we should yeah are there any other well never mind we can move on what other smoothie makers <laughs> yeah any other good smoothie maker i mean I there's like ninja. the ninja ninja, ninja. yeah people but like is, ninja. It the, is it the like caliber of no, i mean my... i'm not i'm not trying to bash the ninja i've never used one before or, or anyone who has one but i my uh I've never used one. I always hear people say they really like it, and then I hear people say that it broke after a year or something. Mm. But I've also heard people say they've had it for three or four years and no problems like that. So who really knows? does seem like it's a cheap alternative to the expensive ones. Yeah. To get you started, maybe. Definitely. All yeah. right. Enough about smoothie makers? Enough, <laughs> Enough about the smoothie makers. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Good. Well, Doug, I have something that I was going to share with you that Ooh. i think is interesting it's not it's not really share it's just say um <laughs> at my gym where i do the muay thai we mm-hmm. uh well not we they is it a call it is it called a gym or is it called a like something else 
Uh, I think it's called an MMA gym. I don't know. Okay. I think it's just called the gym. Uh, but anyway, they have been writing the goal. Everybody writes their goal on the wall for the year. Mm-hmm. And you put it up there, and you put the date on it, and it stays there on the wall all year, I think. Wow. So, yeah, so one wall is covered in goals from people. I am wanting to get in on that because I just love that idea. I think it's cool. You get accountability. But I'm I'm scared. I keep thinking I'm going to put Run 100 Miler on there. Because it doesn't it doesn't have to be like MMA related. You can just put whatever you want. Some people have stuff about learning a language. Somebody else has a TEDx talk that they wrote about. So you can put whatever you want. Um, mm-hmm. It just seems like that would be a perfect one. I don't want to write get in the best shape of my life because it doesn't. It's not a. I don't know. It's not measurable in the way that they want them to be. So I keep wanting to put that, but I'm I'm afraid to do it. <laughs> to be honest. Oh oh come on. Come I'm not on, afraid Matt. that I can't do it. I'm not afraid of failing. I'm I'm afraid that I don't really want to do that. I don't. I still don't know. But I know if I put it, it'll make me, you know, I think if I put it, it's very likely that I will do it. I'm just not sure if that's a good Well, then you have to put it. I don't, know if I, I don't know if I should be doing 100 miles this year. I just don't know if it's, if it's the right move, you know? Yeah. Well, there was, there was a time I remember when you announced you were going to run 100 miler on, on I mean, Athlete, and, and it didn't happen. So. And then I didn't. That's true. This is, this is more, would be more embarrassing than that if that because <laughs> i don't know why because all those people are punching you and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah is some sort of like it. is there some sort of fight you have to get put in if you if you don't hit your goal <laughs> no no mention of that maybe um oh i think i think it's great if, if you keep coming back to it and you keep thinking it's like the perfect thing to throw up there then uh, yeah it no. says something that says yeah, something it does it does so here's a question all right is when you, when you first mentioned the hundred miler to me or running, wanting to run another one, mm-hmm. um, it was in the context of you doing it with a couple of your friends. Yep. Is, are they still considering it as well? Yep. Still considering it. I believe they run a 50 K in a week. Uh huh. No, you know what? It might even be this coming weekend. Um, which of course reminds me, you just ran a 50 K. We were going to talk about that, which is the reason I'm talking about running right now. Um, <laughs> yep. But yes, they are. I think they're. You know, one of them, Pete, is uh, maybe maybe waffling a little bit. I think he, I think he texted me that he was retiring from running after this fifty k. So, <laughs> uh, but he's he's just sick of doing long runs. That's all. Which I am too, and I feel the same way when I'm doing those. And I retire from running, and then I eventually get back into it. So he's he's I guess waffling because of that. But I think his brother's pretty gung ho, and uh, I, I'm pretty sure Pete will be will be in if if I and his brother are. Yeah. How oh. could you not be? Right, really? So anyway, um, yeah, so that is that is still the motivation. And I think that's part of the problem is like, I, I'm just, I'm not that super motivated to actually run. It's not that I desire to be running all these miles again, or even training all these miles. I just desire to get myself into good shape. And that seems like a really good challenge. And I, and I want to do this with them. I think it'd be fun. So that's, that's where I'm, that's why I'm hesitant this is not like right. something that's calling me like I must do this thing this year. Hmm. Yeah, that's so. a little tricky because it's a pretty big commitment. Exactly. To if you're waffling. Exactly. It's a lot of hours. A lot of hours. But you know, sometimes you just gotta pull the trigger and go for it. <laughs> I was thinking I could do what David Goggins did, which is not train at all. He did that apparently <laughs> one. He tried. I guess. He, I guess to prove he was good enough to get into Badwater. 
this uh-huh. I just gathered this from that interview I listened to, and he talked about it for I don't know if I mentioned this. Maybe. He he I listened to him on Ritual uh, a couple weeks ago, and he talked about how he wanted to get in, and he for some reason had to just do a hundred miler without any training to show that he something. Um, <laughs> so I was thinking, if you're gonna train for a hundred miler, you put in hundreds of hours of work just so that you don't really suffer that badly during the 24 hours that you're running it or 30 hours or whatever it is if you're willing to just really suffer (laughs) you can bypass all the hundred hours hundreds of hours and just and just suffer except that it's gonna be horrible but you're saving all that time by doing that (laughs) i guess that's not the point of 100 though no, I don't think that's the point. Like, what? <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't at all get towards your goal of being no, in the shape of your life. Or that's true. Just not. And and you know, and and your friends would be done. They'd be showered. They'd be drinking beers, and you'd still be like, and having the worst day of your life. <laughs> right. <laughs> worst exactly. two days of your life. Yes, I'm not gonna do that plan. But anyway, when I heard that, I thought that's that is an interesting idea. I also, you know, I feel like I should say this. Would, it would be terribly irresponsible for your body, I feel, I feel like, to do that. <laughs> Chances of you getting out of that injury-free are probably <laughs> pretty slim. That's true. All right, so Doug, tell us about your uh, 50K. I actually haven't heard anything about it. I know you did it, and I know mm-hmm. I know it was cold, but that's all I know. Yep, it was cold. I met uh, Denise, who is an aid station volunteer, who is a podcast listener. Oh, nice. And she uh, she introduced herself, and I went up for a fist bump. She went up for a high five. We gave this awkward hug, and so I'm sorry about that, Denise. <laughs> anyway, I'll, I'll take the blame for that one because I was, you know, it was middle of the race. Well, how did Denise recognize you? Uh, I ran up. She said, "I know you. You're Doug Hay. I'm one of your enemies." I think is what she said. Really? Yeah. Your, was your name on your bib or something? No. Just facial recognition. I guess. Uh, you know, social media is a weird place. Wow. Cool. So, okay. Yeah. Good. So that was great. That's awesome. And and I got to I got to run with um, another Nomad athlete who's a Health Made Simple Challenge member, Eric, uh-huh. who's also a coaching client of mine. <laughs> so okay. I, I should probably put that in there as well. But uh, yeah, so it was, it was a good it was a good Nomad athlete fifty uh, k. Nice. Lots of us out there. Very cool. Good. Yeah. And but anyway, it was it was great. It was the South Mountains fifty k. Uh, about an hour from from Asheville, I woke up and got picked up at six fifteen. Was supposed to take about an hour to get there. Was gonna planning to be there. Race started at eight. Was planning to get there right around seven fifteen. Just enough time to get warmed up, change my clothes, you know, hit the bathroom, do whatever I gotta do. I put the put the the park in the GPS. And an hour later, we ended up on the opposite end of the park than the race, and it was <laughs> about forty minutes to get <laughs> to get from that end to the oh, to the actual race start, where my packet was, my bib and everything was waiting. So we we pulled there twelve minutes before the race start. I went and grabbed my bib, and uh, it was a really chaotic twelve minutes <laughs> wow. leading up leading up to the race, but made it to the starting line, and from there everything went really smoothly. It was great. Yeah, but you know what is hard about that to me? Especially, well, no, not even especially ultra. In anything like a marathon or longer, is that it It basically makes your, because it's such a mental challenge, maybe this is ultra marathon specific. It's such a mental thing of staying out there and staying strong and all that, that to have to deal with that in the hour before the race basically makes the race an hour longer. 
<laughs> you know, it's true. Like the heart rate was up, like adrenaline was pumping. During, yeah, no, it's, if those those last like forty five minutes before the race, and like the twelve minutes. I mean, literally, I was like, we, the Paul, my cousin, who ran the race as well. Uh-huh. We were like sprinting back and forth across the parking lot to like the bathroom and to. Oh. Yeah, I mean, it was it was super chaotic. It was, uh, <laughs> it, was it was not good, but. Um, we talked about this afterwards and in some ways it was, it could have been maybe a little bit better because we weren't just standing out in the cold, you know, right. thinking about everything, getting nervous and anxious and getting cold. Yeah, that's true. We were instead, you know, we just, uh, we arrived, I mean, it was like 30 seconds. Uh, I got into the, like with the other runners about 30 seconds before the gun went off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Oh, good. Okay. So it went well. You finished. Yeah, so so the uh, so the point of this race, and and one thing is, this is kind of tra- going to transition us a little bit into the topic here, um, was this was a a training race, my first training race of the year ahead of the Hellbender 100 in April, um, and it was kind of a, a way for me to test my fitness and have a really big long run, um, and just kind of evaluate where I am right now ahead of the next four months before mm-hmm. the race. Um, So it was, yeah. So, you know, I had very low expectations. My only goal was to finish. I was expecting a true 50K suffer fest where I had some really low points. Um, But they, you know, surprisingly and uh, happily, they never really came. I, I, um, you know, with any any race like that, you have like dips, of course, and highs and lows, but Mm -hmm. um, nothing too bad and managed the pace and the fuel pretty well i think and stayed super positive the whole time and that was a huge win i think going in a big confidence boost going into the next few months yeah that is a big win so i wonder if that um is that the result of experience i mean i think the more things longer than a 50k that you do uh and the more 50ks you do probably the more better you are able to manage it and anticipate what will happen if you don't you know change something or don't slow down or don't walk these hills or whatever it is um so maybe maybe that is just kind of getting getting wiser as an ultra runner yeah i mean i think that's definitely part of it yeah i think um you know learning how to adjust and um you know address issues as they arise and stay on top of nutrition and you know feeling confident in my nutrition strategy feeling confident in uh in my pacing and knowing when to hike and that kind of stuff like you know, that, that definitely, without a doubt, comes from experience. And also, like, just the fact that I knew I could do it, you know. And if it's your first 50K and you're doubting whether you can run that far because you've never run that far, mm-hmm. then that's like a, you know, that's a big mental disadvantage, right? Because at mile 20 when you hit the wall and you're like, holy crap, I got 10 more miles, yeah. um, you know, then, then you start doubting everything and that's a huge mental disadvantage. Whereas I knew that, you know, it might be really painful or it might be, not pretty, but I, I, I felt confident I could get across the line. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think that that definitely comes with experience. But also, you know, I mean, you know, I, th- I think that it goes to show you, you know, kind of what you're saying about just winging it with 100. Um, it goes to show you that if you if you have a good base and while my running for the last six months has not been impressive at all, I have continually continuously run. Um, and especially the last three or four weeks, you know, I really ramped up, um, at the end of the year and, and going into this, um, 
And so to have that like base, I think can take you a really long way if you're smart about your pacing and if you're smart about how you approach the race. Yes, I would agree with that. And that's kind of going to be, you know, so this is, we're going to talk about, about how to structure training in this episode. But, you know, one thing that I'm doing that's different than what probably all the advice that I'm going to give for the rest of the, this conversation is, um, you know, really I'm, I'm, I'm focused really heavily for the next four months on, on my base. And then a couple really key long runs, one every three to four weeks, you know, instead of really big long runs every weekend, just some some super key long runs between now and the race day, um, a couple races, a couple, you know, big outings, solo outings. And so I'm giving myself that flexibility because I know I can't go away for five hours every Saturday. Um, there's too much going on with the family. So, you know, so I'm going to I'm going to work on having building up that base throughout the week and maintaining that and maintaining strength and that kind of thing. And then just having a couple really key long runs where I get to test myself and, and really push myself. Yeah. Interesting. I think, uh, that sounds like a very practical type of training <laughs> for having a family. Like, I mean, to me that's, that is appealing, right? Cause I always, the long run is what I hate the most about training for marathons and ultras. Uh, I don't mind this every day, seven mile run or whatever for the, for the weekday thing. It's that, it's that going away for four hours when everyone else is drinking coffee and <laughs> right, doing whatever right. they're doing. Um, so that's, that's cool. I like that. Um, I'm curious, like you think that will, I know, I think you said your goal was sort of to, to redeem yourself during those last 10, 15 miles, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so this, this is, will this help you with that? Well, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's similar to the strategy I took last year, although I'm going to be a little bit more aggressive this year. Um, but you know, one thing I am, one thing I'm going to work on is, um, I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't, I don't think I could comprehend the amount of elevation gain that was in this race before running it. Mm-hmm. And so last year, you know, my base included a lot of, you know, flattish miles, you know, we're much more worried about, about mileage than, than, you know, elevation gain and that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, I, would, I was doing speed work and, you know, things like that, that, um, I'm going to totally scrap all that this year and focus entirely on getting as much vertical gain as I can. So, you know, on a weekday, I might only do a three mile run instead of a six mile run, but if I can climb a, you know, a mountain in doing so, right. then I, I will think that I, you know, I'm going to hope that that is more effective and a better, a better run for me for this particular race. So I, you know, so I'm shifting, I'm shifting the the type of training that I'm doing um, away from mileage and towards just time on my feet and elevation gain. Um, and, and hoping that that sort of base and laying a different type of base in addition to these key long runs, one of which was this 50 K, um, in addition to that will, will set me up better for late race success, but you know, but who knows? I'm not sure. Um, but the truth is I just, I can't, I can't dedicate, you know, big long runs every single weekend. So this is, this is what I have and I'm going to try to be as smart as I can. Uh-huh. with what I've got, you know? Yep. And then what about, uh, last question for you before we get on to the thing. What about, uh, what's your big long run going to be? Like your 50 uh-huh. mile or 100K? Yeah, so do? so I have, at, at my, my three biggest long runs are, uh, was this 50K last weekend. I'm doing the Mount Mitchell Challenge, which is a 40 miler in February. 
Um, and then in March, I'm going to do at least 12 hours, uh, out on the course. I'm, you know, I'm just going to park somewhere and do a big loop out on the huh. course solo. Or maybe I can talk, <laughs> maybe I can talk a friend into doing it with me, but, um, yeah, I'm actually like really excited about that day. You, you, you <laughs> joke, but <laughs> you joke, but yeah, I mean, that's, those kind of days are my most memorable runs are the ones that like these epic solo adventures uh-huh. or, or not solo, but self-supported adventures. That's, that's where we are very so different, Doug. So, I mean, if I woke up that day, I would just go back to sleep and pretend it didn't happen. <laughs> you know, but, but part of that is like uh, there just doesn't happen to be... If there was a 100K or something that fit that timeline well, especially one that had a bunch of vertical gain, then, you know, I'd probably be doing that because it's, it's right. easier and in some ways better. Um, but there's... Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't have that available so you know so i'm going to go out on the course and and part of that is instead of just running for 12 or you know for whatever 50 miles or whatever um is is try to get in as much vertical gain you know get as in a, as much mimicking of the race as i can and there's no mm-hmm. better place to do that than on the course mm-hmm. good cool well i look forward to hearing how that goes following along and hopefully being inspired to do my own i don't know all right, so I want to get into our topic today and, and kind of, you know, more practical things for someone who's at the beginning of the year and has some race goals. Before we do that, I want to quickly take a minute and thank our sponsor. This episode of No Meat Athlete Radio is brought to you by Hemp Daddies and their full-spectrum CBD products, including tinctures, capsules, and a transdermal cream, which is great for sore muscles and chronic pain points. All of Hemp Daddy's CBD is produced from USDA organic hemp and singularly sourced from a family-owned and operated farm in Longmont, Colorado. That's right, Matt. And Hemp Daddy's was created by a fellow ultra runner named Caleb. And I know that you in particular have had some concerns about the link between CBD and marijuana. So I decided to give Caleb a call and ask him about it and address one of the big concerns, which is whether CBD will actually get you high. That's a great question. So um, let me just start off by saying like CBD it's, is also known as cannabidiol and it's produced from the hemp plant, which is kind of the cousin of the marijuana plant. And hemp contains like very low amounts of THC, 0.3% or less by law, and it will not get you high. There's zero chance of getting high off the stuff, and there's there's this zero psychoactive side effects because of the extremely low amounts of THC that are present. So if you're taking CBD, you're not. it's not the same as, you know, taking some sort of THC oil. Oh yeah, ab- absolutely. It's completely different. Um, you do get all the medicinal and therapeutic benefits you would get from the cannabis plant, but you get it um, with without the intoxicating effects you get from like the marijuana plant. Got it. And that's why it's it's legal everywhere, right? Or at least in all fifty states. Yep, it's it's legal in all fifty states. The two thousand eighteen Farm Bill was just passed, which made um, it removed CBD from the Schedule One substance list, and so it is now um, legal from the federal level. So there you have it, Matt. Taking CBD and THC are not the same. Well, that is good to know, Doug. So (laughs) help fight pain and inflammation, sleep better, and recover faster with Hemp Daddy's CBD products. Visit HempDaddies.com, that's H-E-M-P-D-A-D-D-Y-S.com, and use code NMA for 10% off your first order and free shipping. So we wanted to talk about structuring a training program. How would you build up to a race, a long race like a marathon or an ultra Um, but then we said to make it specific, let's just say it's the beginning of the year, which it is. And you've got a goal. You want to do a race this year, whether it's kind of get back at it. Like I am thinking about doing, or whether it's just do that first marathon or first ultra. Um, 
and you want to do it this year, and you got 12 months now, or mm-hmm. 11 and a half months, then, you know, what's your approach? What do you, what do, you do? And obviously, it's going to depend on a billion factors, uh, especially how much have you been running recently and what's your experience like. But, you know, just broadly speaking, like, let's talk about how your year would look if you want to get one of those races done in i guess for most people if that if that's the situation then you're probably looking at doing it in the fall so Mm -hmm. september october november um but i guess i guess you know we can also talk about flexibility which is of concern to me because i that's that's especially where i am like i think i should start running again i'm pretty sure i should start running again (laughs) i don't i don't know for what race that Uh that is running is definitely a component of of what I'd like to do, which is get in really good shape. Um, and yet I don't really know what to do, what, what race I want to run or anything. So I kind of want this flexibility to be built into whatever I am doing. So anyway, that's what we should start with and just see where it goes. Yeah. Well, so I think that uh, there's, there's kind of two, two components here. And and of course, like you said, it depends on a variety of factors, but, um, I think that a, a, a race-specific training block tip, should typically last about four months. Okay. Um, about, what, 18 weeks or so? 18 to, to 20 weeks, yep. Okay. Um, and during those 18 to 20 weeks, you should be running for that end race. You know, Everything you do should be building up to that race. Mm-hmm. But... Depending on where you are, you, you know, if you're not running right now and you have a race that's in four months and you haven't been running, you know, for the past four months, then you're not going to be able to get in and start doing race specific training immediately, right? I mean, your first four to eight weeks are going to be really about rebuilding your engine, building your base, etc. So if you start with the four months and you begin working backwards, then let's say you need two months of base building. So now you have a six-month block that's building you up to that that end race. But if it's something if it's something you have a really specific goal for, like I don't know, qualifying for Boston or running a hundred miler, you know, then as you're as you're looking at this full year up ahead of you, it's January now. You know, um, maybe that qualifying race is isn't until the fall. Then it would be to your benefit to be doing some sort of training block, race-specific training block now to do some sort of spring race uh, to kind of catapult you into, uh, in, into your body and your, and your mindset into training for that, that second part of the uh, training block. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So you're kind of yep. doubling it. Yep. Um, and, and I think that that's a good way to, to look at things. If you're, if you're in good shape now, if you have a good base, maybe you ran a fall marathon and you just kind of continue training over the, over the winter, you know, then maybe you can think about this uh, spring marathon as your as your goal race or, or your spring ultra or whatever it is, um, or early summer. But um, but if if you're coming off of a long break, then you should really be thinking about the fall as being your ideal time to to get going and using the entire year to split things up, train for something now, take a little bit of a break, maintain your base, and then dive back in with another four month training block. Mm-hmm. And so. I know you said for if you have a specific sort of goal that in that situation, like a, like a qualifying for Boston, that in that situation you do two months. What's what's the difference then between that, not two months? You do two training cycles. What's the difference between that and having 
and choosing to just do one long cycle. The the idea that if you haven't been running that much, you need more build up time, more base building time. Yeah. Well, so if if um you know if your goal is just to not just to finish a marathon, I mean that's a amazing goal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but if 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 there's no specifics with it, like um like a boss qualifying time or um, something you know super long like a hundred miler if your goal is to is to finish a marathon and you're in decent shape maybe you've run a half marathon before in the past 12 months or so then um you know then then you could you could shorten that block to six months you know do two months of base building four months of of race specific training um and dive right into that you know to that marathon and check the box you know be done with it for the year but um, but you know, if, if you're going for a Boston qualifier and you're not, you know, you're not super close at the moment, maybe you, you know, you're going to have to really put in the work, then I would take the next six months and rev up my engine and train, you know, begin doing some speed work, get faster, focus on things, maybe run a really fast half marathon this spring mm-hmm. uh, or early summer, or maybe, you know, maybe run a marathon, you know, as a training race and where you're not going after a BQ but just to kind of get that distance in one more time. But, you know, I'd pro- honestly, I'd probably focus on the half marathon and really just do a super fast half marathon um, and then take the summer to, you know, to do some maintenance stuff and then dive back in um, to prepare for the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's kind of the difference. And that's, that's where, you know, it, it depends on your situation and your goals and that kind of thing. But, um, you know, but I like to think of, of a training block as being about four months two months to prep for it. And, um, if you have the whole year, if you have time, then to use the six months prior to that, to, to do something that would set you up for success in the, in the second training block. Right. Rather than just extending your base building period to make that really long, like base, you know, build a base for five or six months. Yeah, Is that absolutely. Just because it's boring. Well, it's boring, but it won't be as effective either. I mean, if you're, you know, if you're doing something like trying to qualify for Boston, speed is of the right. essence, right? Right. Um, and if you were to dedicate six months or four months or, or three, even three months to running a fast half marathon, they're going to be doing speed work that you won't be doing for, for marathon training, but you'll be doing things that will get you a lot faster, um, you know, will significantly increase your speed so that, uh, so that you can run that, that fast half marathon. Um, and then that will just carry over into the, into the work that you're doing for the marathon. So you're, you're doing, you're focusing on something that will benefit your, your end goal, but, um, you know, and, and that you can build off of during that second training block. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So for the base building period, um, you said eight weeks, two months, how, uh, how universal is that? I guess like, so I find my, I'm just only asking because I imagine a lot of other people are in the same boat, but like, you know, so I've done a bunch of running before. I find myself wondering like, is, is two months enough actually to get back into running enough to start training for a hundred miler or start training for, you know, a fast marathon or whatever it is that someone might want to do. Is eight weeks of base building enough? And like, do you think that's sort of the limit at which point, like it becomes not that valuable once you've done more than eight weeks and instead you'd do something else. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 
all depends on what kind of shape you're in. If, you, if you're in decent shape, but you just haven't been running, then that eight weeks will probably be sufficient. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're, if you've just been, you know, vegging out playing a lot of the FIFA, less, playing, <laughs> playing a lot of FIFA. It just, if somebody ha- was in that situation, it just happened to be, <laughs> happened to, uh, you know, spend a lot of time playing FIFA <laughs> or other esports. Um, you know, then, you know, then, then you, you know, I mean, you could always benefit from more time, right? Like, you know, if you had a year where you were doing nothing but building up your base, then, uh, you would benefit from that for sure. Right. Just, just as, um, you know, if, if you're continuously running for, for years on end, then, um, you know, I mean, obviously age is a factor and all that stuff, but, but chances are you're going to naturally get a little bit faster because every time you go through a specific training block, you're going to be in that much better shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's, that, that's assumes you're avoid injury and all that. But, um, uh, yeah. So, I mean, if you, if you have a little more time, then, then I would absolutely say that, but you know, but the, the, the point of the, the two months or six, I'm sorry, eight or 12 weeks or, you know, whatever it is you have to do, um, is to get you back into the rhythm of running, getting you running three to five times a week, doing some sort of, um, you know, maybe a longer run and then a couple easy runs, easy, shorter runs. You're, you're, you're strengthening your cardiovascular system, you're strengthening your, your legs and getting your legs firing, your muscles firing, um, at a faster and better rate. Um, and it's so that when you begin the race specific training, you're not starting from, from zero. Right. Mm-hmm. And that those first month, that first month, maybe even two months of the race, if, if we're talking about a four month cycle here, those first two months are going to be building you up. So that doesn't mean you have to be ready to do a 15 mile long run at the end of, uh, at the end of your base building period. Cause your long run might start at eight miles, uh, on the course, on the race specific training program. But you're, you're in a place where you can handle that type of mileage, that type of distance and, and the type of workouts that, that, um, are prescribed, mm-hmm. uh, without injuring yourself and, and being able to do them effectively and efficiently. Um, so those first couple months are really about ramping, going to be ramp after post post base building, you know, the first month or so is going to be just about ramping up and then you're going to get into really some race specific stuff. You're going to introduce speed work or whatever it is, you know, elevation work, whatever, um, fits your goal. Uh, and then you'll, you'll build on that of course, before tapering down for the race. So even within the, that four month training block, like official training block, there's going to be different phases as well. Mm-hmm. Are you, uh, when you talk about base building, are you, is that entirely easy runs? Like should someone avoid the temptation to start doing workouts or even, even hills that would kind of elevate their heart rate? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's, to me, it's less about the heart rate, um, than it is about staying injury free. Okay. Um, you know, if, if you haven't been running for, for four, six months and you start jumping in and immediately doing track work or, or some really intense stuff, um, then your risk of injury is, is going to, you know, skyrocket. Um, you're just putting yourself at risk. So if you are doing a lot of easier runs, you know, maybe you're doing some hill repeats or doing, um, you know, some sort of strides or something like that, uh, you know, that can definitely be beneficial. And I would encourage that, but, um, to do, to do like true speed work and to do hard workouts and stuff like that too early is, is more just, you're just asking for trouble. Yeah. I guess for me, like the motivation for that question is I've done some plans before and not necessarily for like a longer race. Cause when I did my hundred miler before I 
really didn't do any speed work. I mean, it, it's, it was just hilly to run in Asheville, but it, there was no, no dedicated speed work. Um, but like when I was trying to qualify for Boston, by the end of that, the, the training programs I was doing, they were three difficult workouts in a week and then three easy runs. But to go from eight weeks of base building where you don't do anything that, that is difficult, really. I mean, maybe you're out there for a long time in a long run, but nothing that's elevating your heart rate. To go from there to suddenly doing two workouts a week that are difficult, a speed workout, hill workout, or a tempo run or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, and then a long run that might have a time... Uh, whatever the word is, time dimension to it or, or a pace that you have to yeah. stick to. Um, I would be worried that that would cause me injury, that suddenly going into that. So I'm guessing that the advice would probably be start to sprinkle those things in just a little bit at the end yeah, uh, to kind exactly. of apply a small steps approach. Yeah, begin, begin. you can begin sprinkling those in when you can, you know, and hopefully those first few weeks, you know, even month of, of your training plan aren't going to be too aggressive with those things either. You know, the, mm-hmm. they aren't going to be, Yasuo eight hundreds on your first week, um, or something like that. You know, I mean, they could be, I guess, but um, you know, but but if that's the case, if your training plan is pretty aggressive from the very beginning, then you know, then using your base building period to to prepare for that is uh, is going to be more important. Do you remember that time we were in Bart Yasuo's house, Doug? <laughs> I do remember that. That was, that was awesome, <laughs> what? <wasn't> it? It? <laughs> I forgot about that actually. I remember being. I, I, Every time I think about him, I think about being in his office, but we were actually in his house. We? Yeah, we were in his office one day and his house the next day. Were we just like driving by and he was like, hey. I don't remember why we were there, but 15 of us went in through it. Uh-huh. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, so, you know, for you, if you're thinking about a fall 100 miler, then, um, I, you know, I would just kind of get to it, do some, do some runs now get start start you know introducing a little bit of running into your muay thai routine um Mm -hmm. and uh you know and then schedule something for this spring that or or early summer like a like a black mountain monster like a black mountain monster that's you know that's low um low stress you know that just kind of gets you out there gets you motivated between now and then and um you know you can kind of build up to that and then use use whatever you build from there to you know to get ready for the hundred right and that that race is is the lowest of stresses because it's a timed race and you could it's also like i was talking about flexibility earlier if i had decided or if i decide that instead a marathon is the better thing to do uh even even if the hundred is later but i want to try to train for a fall marathon first like an early fall marathon um you know, it's sort of adaptable to that. I could instead just run yeah. 20, 20 miles or whatever that day. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, totally. But, I mean, I guess maybe there are more specifics to talk about with training cycle structure. And if there are, then let's do that. But I'm curious about flexibility and kind of, if if you don't know what your goal is, if you don't know what to do, um, I just wonder how, how to begin. I mean, the base building is going to be pretty much the same regardless because you need, need to do that first. But then, I don't know. I guess I'm wondering, should I should I really lock in a race before I start any training? Or would it even make sense? Could I do long runs and hill workouts and speed workout or speed work uh, without knowing really what the what the goal is? But kind of just, just getting them in. Yeah, great question. And, um, and definitely, of course, you can do whatever you want. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but, 
you know, so you hit on a couple of things there. You know, I think that so more specifics about a training block is is just kind of what what a training block look like, and and that of course depends significantly on the race. But assuming we're talking about something like a marathon or beyond, then um, then most likely there's going to be kind of a mix between easy runs. Um, oh, one thing I forgot to mention that I thought of uh, during the base building phase is part of that is going to be just building general strength. So that's a good time to do to do other activities, cross training stuff as well. So, mm. um, you know, swimming or cycling or Muay Thai or whatever, just, you know, building core strength, building just, uh, athletic endurance in general. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so during a, during a real training cycle, a typical week, you know, for something like a marathon or 50 K would, would include uh, a couple of easy runs, like longer, slower stuff, um, a long run and, uh, and then some sort of speed element. And I even recommend that for, um, 50 milers and, and even hundred milers to, to some degree, um, just because I think it's good to get your legs firing in that way. I think it's a healthy, um, way to build strength and, and help prevent injury and that kind of thing. So, I mean, I think that there's benefit in, in doing speed workouts, even if your only goal is to finish whatever race you're doing. And you're not at all worried about speed. Um, so, you know, if, you, if you're thinking about, you know, running something this fall and you don't have anything to train for right now, but you want to begin kind of doing that, you know, st- certainly just start by running little bits at a time, get back into that. But yeah, of course you can, you can do some, some speed work and some longer runs uh, on your own and, and without any sort of real structure. The, the important thing is to make sure you're not biting off more than you can chew and jumping in too quickly. Um, because, you know, as someone like you, who's run several marathons, how many marathons do you have? Uh, I don't know, 12, 15, yeah. something in there. A bunch of marathons, you know, several ultras, a hundred miler already under your belt. You know, the temptation is going to be to go out and, you know, do a 15 miler this weekend. And, um, if you haven't done that in a long time, because you just want to jump in, then, you know, then it's a risky move, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to start doing that, or if you want to start doing some intense track works, make sure you're, you're starting slow, make sure you're starting with like tempo work and fart looks and that kind of thing that um, are going to be a little less intense than like all out, you know, 400 mm-hmm. meter right. repeats. Right. Um, you know, so that, so that then you kind of get your body used to it and get your body in shape. Right. But I mean, but you know, I mean, most people, and I I really believe this, certainly here, I can think of like probably four or five different training groups that, um, you know, have a weekly track night or weekly speed work night. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're not training for anything in particular. It's just kind of somebody, you know, gets, uh, designs the workout that night and you go and, you know, adapt it to whatever your level is and, and do right. it. And, um, and that's a super fun way to begin getting more comfortable with speed work. Cause, cause if you're, if you're say running for your first marathon, you're training for your first marathon. I mean this, you know, I was in this boat for sure. Um, when I trained for my first marathon, the training plan I had had all this track work and I had never done any track work or not since like high school. Um, and just didn't feel comfortable with it at all. Didn't understand some of it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, that's a good way. If you can find some group that's doing that, it's a great way to get more comfortable with it and begin to be able to ask questions and, and that kind of thing. I didn't have a group, but I did find a friend who, um, you know, who had run competitively in college and 
we'd go to the track and he'd literally run laps around me running, you know, when I was out there running all out. Um, but it you know, but it was, it's just, it felt way more comfortable than trying to do it myself. Yeah, it definitely does. I remember when I first got into track workouts and I eventually joined a group, but I think I also went a few days on my own and just sort of went and did it. And it was weird. You don't know how to pass people. You don't know what to, if you're supposed to stay in one lane, you don't know if, if all the lanes are the same. I mean, you know, they're not the same distance. <laughs> right. You don't even know how to interpret the markings, but yeah, anyway, absolutely. Right. And then and there's like a high school football team you know, throwing balls <laughs> everywhere and like right. you feel judged because, <laughs> you know. uh, no, I, I, I'm with you. Um, but if you can find a group to do that with, then uh, that's, that's a good way to do it. Or like, you know, and another thing that I think people forget is um, you don't have to do speed work on a track, right? I mean, you can, you can do, you can measure out half mile from your house on a street, a relatively flat course. And, and it might not be the exact same because it won't be pancake flat like a track is. Right. Um, but you can, you know, you can still do speed work out uh, yeah. on the road or sure. around some sort of dirt gravel path or something like that yep some of my favorite ones and this is half the reason that i guess have stayed in decent shape is that i even when not really training for something i've every few months when i get into running and just do whatever 10 10 workouts maybe then i get tired of it um just going out and running and maybe this is kind of fartlex but just running 30 seconds of hard running and then taking a minute and a half of easy and then 30 seconds of hard minute and a half easy. Mm -hmm. And then as you get better at it, doing a whole minute of hard and then two minutes of rest. So a minute of hard running, two minutes rest, like, and, and going all out or at least all out the fastest you can to finish that interval. Um, but not caring what kind of terrain you're on. I mean, obviously you wouldn't want to do it on steep hills cause it just would be kind of weird. But, uh, but I mean, you can do that anywhere. You can do that as part of your normal run and just twice or three times a week do something different like that. I mean, it just gets you out of that rut that we've talked about where you, where you're just doing the same exact run every single day. Totally. Which doesn't yeah. do anything for you. And in, in high school, in high school cross country, um, we used to do this workout where we would, you'd be like running down a sidewalk and every 10 light posts, you'd run the next five, you know, at a, at you know at a fast pace and then you mm -hmm. slow down for for 10 more and then you run five or you know you whatever the number kind of switched but i've i do that i still to this day do that and we don't have a ton of light posts around um but you know but but i'll do that with like cars or or something like that where you know i'll just choose a random object and when i hit a certain number of that object then then i pick up the pace mm -hmm. and when i hit a certain number I, you know, drop back down and it's just a super fun and like low key way to begin introducing a little bit of speed work and, um, you can get a really good workout doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm going to try that with bears once the hibernation. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You might be like switching back and forth every couple of steps. <laughs> yes. Uh, anyway. Funny. So, um, all right. Anything else? I mean, this has not been that long, but I hope hope it's gotten people started. I have another question that is totally specific to my situation. Yeah, I mean, the only other thing I would say is, um, I mean, I think that specific training plans are really effective. And they were good for me when I was training for my first couple marathons and, and ultra marathons. And if you, you know, if you're feeling totally lost, then finding a specific plan, you know, hopefully not just a 
I mean, you know, maybe a free one online or, or hopefully something that's a little bit more tailored to where you are. Um, but, you know, they can be really effective. But at the same time, you know, ha- having some flexibility, if you miss runs, if you, um, you know, if you have a wedding one weekend, one long run weekend, and you need to adjust the schedule, or if you're like me and you have a young family and you just can't do long runs every single weekend, being flexible with it and, and adjusting, adapting the training to the best that you can make it um, is way more important than hitting every single number every single week. Yeah, that is 100% true. And I did not learn that until three or four marathons in, I don't think. I just didn't get to... I guess when you knew it's something, you want to do it by the letter. And you just don't know what will happen if you don't do the six-mile run that's scheduled this Thursday, even though everything else came up and you just couldn't do it. So I think what I the mistake I made when I was younger and just like so i don't know if it was perfection it probably was perfectionism wanting to just do the entire thing and not miss a day uh i would hurt myself by not, not literally hurt myself but perhaps but like try to try hard to get that run in even when it meant that my rest period would be almost non-existent between that and the next run right. uh or worse you didn't get that run in so then you start shifting your whole schedule back and then now you're trying to do your long run on a monday or something and just all this stuff happens when you when you are thinking that you need to get every single run in on your plan like the plan was designed as an ideal i think that's what people don't get it it is designed assuming you don't get injured assuming you don't have things come up that prevent you from doing it but almost no training plan author that i know would say like if you miss a run make sure you get it in before you proceed with the plan right almost everybody would say like it's just one run i mean and you don't want to miss two or three or four in a row uh, but you know, yeah, it, it, you don't have to be perfect with it. Uh, that's why I always like the plans that have, what is it? I guess two solid weeks at the end, um, with, with no, you know, where you're kind of tapering, where you are right. tapering so that if you, so two full weeks where you are not running hard, uh, leading up to your race so that if you end up, you know, having something go wrong or three or four days and you really get off or you just have a week when you can't do anything, you actually could shift your entire thing back by a week. Uh, and, and you need to make some adjustments then, and I think you sort of need to know how to do it. But I just think I think building flexibility into it, whether you're making your own plan or whether you're choosing one, if you can have flexibility flexibility already built in, I think that at least mentally really helps me. It makes me feel better and, and don't get all hung up on, you know, am I doing this perfectly or not. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, all of my, if I write a 20 week plan, then, um, all of them have rest weeks built in and and those rest weeks are important, um, because they allow your body to kind of, uh, reset, you know, so you might have three, four or five weeks of, you know, intense building and then a week of, of where you're kind of cutting back. Um, and, uh, but if just in case someone is making their own plan or doing that for the first time, what, what percentage would you say you were cutting back by? Like, how much of your weekly mileage are you? Doing yeah, on your, on your rest week? that's a great. Because it's not a full. You're not just not running that week. It's a, no, no, no. So, like, if if you're building up, you know, if you're doing, if you have uh, a 12 mile long run, and then a 13, a 14, and 15, I might drop back down to 12. Mm-hmm. And um, change your during the week runs as well. Yeah, it'd be a lighter week. You know, maybe no speed work or some sort of really light speed work just a lower mileage week in general than you've had in probably four weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, and that, that's a good way to kind of 
allow yourself just, you know, just give yourself some recovery and some breathing space mentally and physically. But, you know, if, uh, you know, if you're, if you're like 12, 13, and then that week you're supposed to be running 14, you're just unable to do it. Maybe you're swamped at work and you just are forced into a light week that week. Then you have this light week built in a couple weeks later that you can kind of shift and adjust and you've already given yourself a little bit of that recovery time. And you have to, you know, you have to think ahead a little bit because then you might have seven weeks with no, you know, no sort of lighter week and and you might want to adjust for that a little bit, but, um, you know, but having those, having those kind of actual breaks built into the plan, um, allow for more of that flexibility. And to me, uh, you know, I just, I can't stress enough how important that, you know, being flexible within your training is because like you said, you know, those plans are written for the ideal situation and no one is training in an ideal situation. Right. All right. My specific question. Yeah, let's hear Probably it. won't apply to anybody. Um, <laughs> Great. I'm glad we're going to spend some time I, on it. <laughs> I want to do this fall. I mean, the fall 100 miler is, is my, my, you know, maybe target. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to commit, to, unwilling to commit to that. Uh-huh. Um, is there any way I can use this 12 hour race in June? Assuming things go well and I can get in 50, you know, I'm not even gonna say more than that. If last time I did it, I had hoped I had hoped to get in more than 50. I didn't because I went way too fast. I think I got 52, um, but I would know better this time. But anyway, if things go well and I can just get a 50 miler in that day, is there any way I don't need to do another 50 mile run before the before 100 in the fall? Can that count, even though it's in June, five months ahead? Of me? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, well, if you're able to maintain and do some some shorter you know key long runs um i think that that could work um, i mean is, is there is i get that doing doing that in a normal 100 mile training cycle doing a 50 helps with a lot of things but i think a huge part of it is the confidence and the practice for right just having a day like that you really think your body needs that like is is there a really a difference between that and going for a yeah marathon? well so so here's here's kind of the what I would be afraid of when you say okay. this is that I would be afraid that you, you would train well up until then to get ready to run a good 50 miler. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you would hit that and then you would just kind of, your training would just pretty much drop off. Cause you, you would, you would peak at that 50 miler in June. Like right. as far I'd as you're your training. I'd say I'm set. <laughs> You'd say, all right, I'm ready. If you can now I'm 50, just, now I'm just going to run a couple three mile runs a week and, you know, right. maybe go out and run 10 miles here and there right? Uh, and call it a day. So that's, that's what I'd be afraid of because you don't want to peak five months before your race. Right. <laughs> sure. um, but if yeah. you're able to kind of, you know, if you're able to continue, like not you're continue building off that and, or maintaining, you know, whatever you're doing up to there, mm-hmm. um, you know, and maybe doing a 50 K at some point, you know, closer to the race or something like that. Um, then, then yeah, I mean, I totally think that that could work. Uh, but mentally I feel like that would be kind of hard. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, all right. I can accept that. Yeah. Okay, good. (laughs) But I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, sure. It's not ideal, you know, of course, but if that's what, um, you know, if that was what works for you, then, then go for it. Mm -hmm. Good. All right. Well, Doug, any last thoughts that someone at the beginning of a year wanting to run a big race this year might need? 
No, just go out and go out and get started. Like I feel like yeah. you know, this is something that that you're probably struggling with as well is thinking about something in the fall it still feels really far away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you haven't committed to it yet, but you know, if if if, if you're thinking about running a race this summer or fall, like now is the time to begin uh to get, you know, get your butt on the trail or on the road um and just start start, you know, just get out the door, get going. You know, it doesn't have to be pretty. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be all that impressive. But if you're if you're out there, then uh, then that's a pretty big win, I think. Yeah. Which is why that that inter- intermediate goal that you mentioned, some sort of race in you know April or May or something, right? Exactly, might really be motivating because then it's not nine months away. Right. Yeah. Cool. All right, Doug. Well, this was helpful for me. I hope other people found it helpful as well. And congratulations on another. Another ultra marathon in the books. Thank you. Another another buckle on the wall. No, you don't get <laughs> buckles for that, do you? <laughs> no, I've got a got some yeah. arm sleeves is what they're <laughs> they're hanging <laughs> on a thing as well. Yep. Nice. Good. All right. Um, good. Well, I'm glad to hear that it all went well. Thanks. And, uh, and looking forward to following the hundred mile training. Absolutely. Of yours, not mine. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to. Well, I'm excited to follow both of them personally. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't wait for you to commit to another hundred. I'm like, it just makes me so excited thinking about it. Mm. Great. Uh, We should say we have some interviews coming up, maybe or maybe not next week, but um, in the next few episodes, we'll be have some fun fun interviews. Yeah, we yeah we intended to do that a few months ago and we didn't, but that's okay. I've I've enjoyed just doing the one on one me and you. It's been kind of fun just doing our thing. But uh, yeah, we will have a few interviews. We'll probably try to sprinkle in some some normal Matt and Doug episodes in between some of them, but uh, yeah, it'd be a nice change. Definitely. All right. All right. Take care. That is all. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye.